This week's episode will not be safe for work. Matter of fact, parental discretion is strongly advised. But we'll be completely fucking ignored. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Salty Thoughts with Donnie Oo podcast, featuring the one and only Donnie Oo. Best in the world the way he does. This week, I'm so excited that I finally get to talk about one of my favorite passions in the world. Wrestling. Pro wrestling. I'm going to narrow down the topics this week to pretty much just WWE Raw, WWE SmackDown, and uh, just a laundry list of issues that I have with the current product. I might have some time to sprinkle in some thoughts about the G1 Climax from New Japan Pro Wrestling and the upcoming Fight for the Fallen with AEW, if I get around to it. But like I said, I'll probably narrow it down to just WWE Raw and SmackDown with the upcoming Extreme Rules pay-per-view coming up this week, this this coming Sunday. So uh, as usual, I'm going to keep the intro short and sweet this week. And good night. Mwah! And goodbye. Bang! Finally. 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 Donnie Oo gets to talk about wrestling. I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with the same old spiel I say about every topic of mine. I've been a wrestling fan for over 35 years. I've been following WWE, or should I say back in the day when it was WWF, NWA, WCW, Mid-South Wrestling, go on and on and on and on and on. I say all that to say this. The current product of WWE is so confusing. So very confusing. Like, take this past Monday's episode of Monday Night Raw, for example. The main storylines are Shane McMahon and his never-ending push with his sidekick, Drew McIntyre, against the big dog, Roman Reigns, who over the last uh, four or five months have come up more like a little puppy, if if I do say so myself. And the other storyline, which is a combined mixed-tag storyline of the man, Becky Lynch, and... Her man, Seth Rollins, against the human equivalent to a sleeping pill, Baron Corbin. And I don't know what the hell she calls herself, but uh, Lacey Evans, you know, the ripoff of the character from the Glow series. Yeah, her. My thoughts on it. Are as follows. You have Seth Rollins. Who is the universal champion. The headliner. The main event. Supposedly. And you have Becky Lynch. The Raw Women's Champion. A.K.A. The Man. 
Now, as recently as maybe a month and month or so ago, WWE made the decision to go public with the relationship of Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. I personally think it's a mistake. To me, you're going over the same territory that we had a couple years ago. We had John Cena and Nikki Bella as an on-screen couple. Every time they came on my TV screen, I counted the amount of seconds it took for me to throw up in my mouth just a little bit. The on-screen chemistry between Becky and Seth is damn near nil. And personally, I believe that you're killing the appeal of supposedly your two top stars, your two top baby faces. They're both coming off, should I say, corny. I mean, you got Seth, who just came out with a t-shirt that he's the man's man. Hmm. I think it's kind of cute that, uh, you know, when they're in the ring together, Becky is actually, excuse the pun, the man of the relationship. She wears the pants in the relationship. But anybody who follows the history of wrestling, who follows the history of on-screen wrestling relationships that leak into real life, should know that it never ends in a happy ending. Never. You never have the fairy tale ending. You can go all the way back to the mid-80s when we had Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert and Missy Hyatt, who was dating John Tatum at the time, back in world class. She moved to Mid-South. She brought John Tatum with with her. She met Hot Stuff and Hyatt International became Hot Stuff International. The real life relationship ended not too long after that. Maybe a couple years. I believe they got married and uh, got divorced probably before the 90s started. Entering the 90s, we can go into Sonny, a.k.a. Tammy Fitch, and uh, the late great Chris Candido. On-screen couple, off-screen, real life, husband and wife. Didn't end up great. And if you really want to take it back, you can take it back to the original on-screen couple of the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and the lovely Elizabeth, who ironically only became an on-screen couple when their off-screen marriage were coming to an end. I'm probably devoting way too much time to this particular topic, but... The reason I am is because it just doesn't feel right. I mean, part of the appeal of Becky Lynch, sorry to say, is a lot of the men in the audience look at her as, yo, that's a badass broad. I like to fuck. Part of the appeal for Seth Rollins are the women that are in the audience maybe feel like he's available. Feel like he's such an athletic, somewhat good-looking dude. Their words, not mine. And I believe you're actually 
not serving any masters at all when you put them together in a romantic situation. But on the wrestling aspect, purely, the two feuds that they're in need to stop. Lacey Evans was never ready. You brought up, you brought up way too early. She should have stayed down in developmental. She should have stayed down in NXT for another year. Get some more experience on her belt. She has the character down, but the character is not defined at all. Is she a Southern Belle? Is she a military, uh, ex-military woman? Is she, what is she? Really, what is she? I really don't know. All I know is she has blonde hair. She wears these uh, 50s pinup clothes with high heels. And uh, it just is like a bad mismatch whatsoever. Then you have Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin, who is a former U.S. heavyweight champion, who is a former Money in the Bank winner, who got buried on SummerSlam, I believe, two years ago by John Cena. Because of something that happened backstage. And uh, you rebuilt him. But you rebuilt him by putting him into the interim general manager position of Monday Night Raw. Only for that to end with the McMahon family coming on screen and blaming the low ratings, the low attendance, the bad ratings, the bad reviews. All on Baron Corbin. And what's his reward? Back to back to back pay-per-view main event slots for the Universal Championship. Yeah, I know. Usually the time between WrestleMania and SummerSlam is notoriously slow. It's notoriously boring. It's been like that for the last 25 years. But, at a time that you actually have competition in the upcoming AEW, and you have New Japan making inroads into the United States. You need to put your best foot forward. You do, and plus, this coming fall when SmackDown moves to Channel 5 in New York, Fox Network, you need to be, you need to have some momentum on your side. And right now, these two programs are draining the life out of the, out of the product. Well, it's, at least for me. So, uh, I just want to let y'all know that um, whatever news that I might break when it comes to wrestling probably comes from two sources, two sources only. And I guess you could consider this a cheap plug for uh, other outlets that I have no affiliation to. Um, number one would be the Wrestling Observer uh, with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. Great job. Uh, go subscribe to them. It's well worth your $9.99. The other outlet that I listen to is Wade Keller of the Pro Wrestling Torch. Go VIP. I've been VIP for five years. Haven't regretted it since. Once again, I believe it's like $9, $9.99 per month. Uh, you get a three-month three deal, $27. Can't go wrong. I say all that because I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give my predictions. And uh, I'm going to go one by one. But being the fact we're on the topic of Seth and Becky <laughs> versus uh, Baron and what the hell is her name? Yeah, Lacey. I hope, I pray that they do not just do a 
title change just for the sake of a title change. I hope, I pray that uh, Seth retains, Becky retains, and being the fact that I just learned that the rules, being the fact extreme rules, um, men can pin women, women can pin men, men can submit women, women can submit men, I predict that Becky Lynch will put Baron Corbin in the disarm him <laughs> and uh, retain for her team. This is something that I never thought would come out of my mouth. What's up with Roman? Um, like, really, what's up with him? Um, you spit, or should I say Vince McMahon spent the last four and a half, five years pushing Roman Reigns down the collective audience's throat. Unfortunately, late last year, I believe in October, Roman Reigns had to take some time off. He had a bout with leukemia that he ultimately won. And he had to take about four, three to four months off. And um, when he was university champion, so he had to uh, give up the belt to continue to fight. Now, while all that happened, or should I say when that happened, while he was gone, you had Seth and Dean Ambrose, who is currently John Moxley of AEW, feuding with each other. They made Dean turn heel. While that program was going on, Dean effectively pretty much gave his notice that he was not resigning. So upon Roman Reigns' return, they sped up the process. They tried to milk everything they could out of the Shield reunion, or should I say, the Shield the Shield farewell, and um. In the process, I believe, ruined Roman Reigns? I mean, it's hard to go from zero to a hundred. Like I said, they've been pushing him for the last five years down our throat. He was in the main event of WrestleMania for four consecutive years. And every year, I struggled to stay up to actually watch the main event, which he ended up coming out 50-50. On. Uh, he, he never beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. He beat him at SummerSlam, finally, but he never beat him at WrestleMania. But that's neither here nor there. There's a spark that's missing. Um, I'm not sure if it's the fact that he might be unhappy with his current role, which is putting over the owner's son. You know, the best in the world, Shane McMahon. <laughs> I can't believe that came out of my mouth. But um, it's like, he just, there's no, there's no buzz around him. This is supposed to be the marquee. This is supposed to be the top of the marquee. And um, you have him jobbing to Shane McMahon. You have him having a, a mystery opponent on this past roar that supposedly he knew about the mind games that they were playing and he was ready for them because he said him and his opponent or should I say his partner 
were playing mind games on their own, the mystery opponent, the mystery partner ended up being Cedric Alexander, who I believe that was like the first time that he's been seen on Raw since he got called up from 205 Live, a.k.a. the Cruiserweight division, and they lost. To who? Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon, who had a two to three month feud with The Miz, ending up at this past past year's WrestleMania with a no holds barred match that he ultimately won. He had subsequent matches, rematches with The Miz that he ultimately won. He had a match, one on one match against Roman Reigns. Albeit with outside interference that he ultimately won. I was telling my son the other week, I really believe we're going to mess around and end up getting a Shane McMahon WWE Championship reign. I hope, I pray that it doesn't happen. But, like father, like son, Vince was, is a former WWF World Heavyweight Champion, don't you know? So, why would you put it above him to put the belt on Shane? Shane already won the best in the world trophy. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> I can't. I, uh, that, I, that has to be the last time I say best in the world about anybody but myself. But, um, we didn't put it past you. We didn't put it past him. I mean, you got Kofi, who's rocking on. That's a that's actually a subject I'm gonna get into later on in this podcast. But you got Kofi who's having a pretty damn strong reign. I believe he's only lost once in a non-title match, which for a champion is damn near unheard of in this era. And then you got Seth um, doing whatever the hell he's doing with Baron and you know his man. Now everybody was worried that Kofi was. Being the fact that they played the racial overtones so heavily um, during the lead-up to his ultimately uh, his ultimate win at WrestleMania against Daniel Bryan, um, everybody had the fear that either A, he's going to have a short-term reign, and or B, the person that he lost it to will probably be the antithesis of what he was fighting for to begin with. Who meets that criteria? Shane fucking McMahon. The boy wonder. The man with the silver spoon born in his born with a silver spoon in his mouth. At least on last night's SmackDown, I believe you had the beginning of the Kevin Owens face turn. And I believe his first target will be Shane McMahon. I believe that Kevin Owens somehow, some way, will cost Shane McMahon a victory this coming Sunday. And that will lead into a program where hopefully he will lose at SummerSlam. And that will propel Kevin Owens to the top tier level that I believe he strongly, richly deserves. I really, really hope so. But, um, this Shane McMahon never-ending push 
has to stop. I mean, it's like, makes no sense whatsoever. Makes no sense. You're dragging down Drew. Drew should have been in one of these main events over these last couple months. Preferably, he should have been main eventing against Seth or Raw instead of Baron Corbin. But um, I guess Shane needed him better. And uh, more than likely, Vince probably believes that putting Drew with Shane is a better position than main eventing a pay-per-view, you know, because uh, he's Shane fucking McMahon. Well, I guess that's to be continued. But uh, I will never, ever, ever, ever utter the words best in the world and shame and man in the same sentence <laughs> ever again. Now, the next thing that I plan on getting into is uh, Kofi Kingston as WWE champion. I like it. I'm not going to lie. It took me a while to warm up to the idea of Kofi Kingston, WWE champion. I mean, at first I felt like they really missed the boat almost 10 years ago when he was feuding with Randy Orton. Um, he had that memorable spot in MSG where he did the boom drop off the, I believe, off the barricade or should I say off the off the balcony on the um, Randy Orton. And I guess because of maybe a missed spot in a match afterward, um, which Randy kind of showed up, showed him up in the match. Um, they never gave him they never gave him the real the, the same opportunity ever again. And then we fast forward 10 some odd years later. And he's part of the New Day. He resurrected his career. Um, and um, he has two great partners in Big E and Xavier Woods. Um, people might not remember that he actually started out in Impact Wrestling and the whole TNA as Consequences Creed. And uh, he was introduced to the WWE audience as a, uh, what the hell? Yeah, Xavier Woods. But he took over the Funkettes. From Brodus Clay, which seemed like at the time the the execution was real clumsy, but he survived that. Um, Big E was notorious for the five count down at NXT. He came up, and at first it seemed like they kind of put him in the role of the big brute. He was Dolph Ziggler's bodyguard, and um, gradually they gave him more and more responsibility, or should I say, more and more opportunities until. He hit a brick roll, and it seemed it was like, well, you know, we got three black wrestlers. We're not doing anything with them, so uh, let's just put them together. And at first, the New Day's act was very, very, very corny, or should I say boring. But then I noticed they started using more of pop culture in their promos and in their acts. And uh, should I say a lot of quote unquote black Twitter in the act, and the slang was up to date and it was new, it was hip, and um, it really made me into a fan of the trio. Uh, of course, they had the never-ending feud with the Usos and the never-ending feud with the Bar, but that's more current. But um, it really made me a, into a fan of the act. Then they started getting into the merchandise. 
of the Bootio cereal, which was great. You know, they they came up with so many ways to implement the cereal into their promos. It was like, let's see what how the New Day are going to advertise their Bootio cereal. After that was kind of a failed attempt at New Day ice cream, which, I mean, would have been great too. They should have brought back the WWE Superstar ice cream bars. But um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I guess CM Punk tried that close to 10 years ago and I thought it was going to be a go and no it never happened then they actually started pitching pancakes pancakes I thought it was fake pancakes but you know from reading and listening to various various things about live audiences the pancakes are actually real and it's just hilarious to me how Biggie has them stored in his crotch, and he's throwing them out to the fans, and the fans are eating them up because they love everything about the New Day. But that brings me full circle back to Kofi Kingston as WWE Champion. I'm happy that he showed a serious side since he's had the belt, since he's been in the main event position, but it's hard for me to take him 100% 100% seriously as WWE champion if he's still clinging on to the quote unquote mid card gimmick of flinging pancakes into the crowd. The one good thing I will say about the act as a new day, as him being the WWE champion, is they never really they never really teased dissension. And then usually, normally in these particular situations, if it's part of a tag team or a part of a faction and one member becomes the top dog, they always tease some type of dissension. And they haven't done that at all. I thought that's where they were going when Big E got hurt, Kevin Owens came back as a face, and he was the honorary member of the New Day. And then they kind of aborted that, had Kevin Owens turn heel because of an injury to Daniel Bryan, and... I thought that's where they were going to go with it, as in Big E was going to come back, and he was going to be jealous that look, you you took you gave away my spot so easily, and then he would come back and you'd be the challenger for Kofi Kingston. Now that's the one thing. That's another thing that I do have a problem with. The opponents for Kofi Kingston haven't been the best. I mean, he gave Daniel Bryan his rematch on SmackDown, I believe. Um, he had the the title versus title, or should I say, champion versus champion match with Seth Rollins, but that was that was null and void. Um, then he had Kevin Owens for like maybe one or two, I believe, one pay per view right after WrestleMania. Kevin Owens didn't want to go to Saudi Arabia, so then they inserted Dolph Ziggler, and Dolph Ziggler actually has had way too many chances at being the man, and he's never going to be the man. So I don't. I really wish they would just stop plugging him in. I actually loved the tag team that he had with Drew McIntyre last summer when he was and then when he was actually feuding with Seth Rollins over the IC title. That was a perfect spot for him. Him being in the main event slot of SmackDown for the top the top championship, I really I think that boat is passed and it's it's just not good. But um they really haven't had a strong challenger. Until now. Until Samoa Joe. 
who's another one of my favorites, who's another one of the wrestlers that I believe don't really get the recognition, or should I say the shine, that they deserve in the current the current product. Um, I thought he was going to, Samoa Joe was going to win last SummerSlam, this past SummerSlam against AJ. That didn't happen. Uh, they gave him the IC, I mean, they gave him the US title. He had a few with Ray Mysterio. They bounced it back and forth. Ray had to give it up because he got injured. And then they kind of transitioned Joe into Kofi Kingston. Now, that is a match that I'm very intrigued on how they go. I don't believe this is going to be a one pay-per-view program. I really believe they're going to try to stretch it into SummerSlam. But if they do stretch it into SummerSlam... And you still have the specter of Brock Lesnar with the Money in the Bank briefcase. Do they chance it and have Brock cash in on Kofi? I think there would be such a backlash, um, like I said previously, with the racial overtones that they had leading into Kofi finally achieving his, his dream, that Brock wouldn't be the wrestler that I would choose to take the belt from Kofi. Samoa Joe, on the other hand, is one that I believe should get a title run. You know, maybe if I mean he would be, he would. I feel like he's such a credible character, such a credible wrestler that the whatever backlash that might be, as in that might be as in taking the title off of Kofi, I think that would kind of be a little bit muted if it was Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe is also one of my favorites because he has. He loves hip hop. Um, there was a clip going around on the internet around uh, WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania weekend uh, during Raleigh Mania, uh, one of the shows that he has over WrestleMania weekend that infuses hip hop and wrestling. Um, that there was a whole bunch of wrestlers on 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 the stage, and they started playing Jay Z's public servant announcement announcement. And Joe just came out, badass as ever, and pretty much was lip syncing, doing the whole thing. It was just, you have to check it out if you haven't checked it out. It should be on YouTube, Twitter, all, all social media outlets or whatever. Like I said, he's one of the only wrestlers I believe that can take the title of Kofi for them not to have a immediate backlash. But I'm kind of gotten off topic. Um... The topic that I was leading into was the portrayal of black wrestlers in WWE. Um, it's like they only have one type, one character trait that's available to them. It's, and that's, i.e. the hip-hop thug. Uh, you could go back to Crime Time, which is like the worst character caricature of a hip-hop uh, head. And they use such so so many dated reference, references. It's like they was pulling their material from the old In Living Color show, uh, Keenan Ivory and and Damon Wayans um, show back from the late eighties, early nineties. I mean, their whole gimmick was stealing, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Uh, uh, they would go into go into a dressing room, uh, befriend the 
wrestler that's in their presence and then next thing you know once they leave then the wrestler's searching around mind you he has sights on searching around like yo those dudes just took my wallet foul 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 i thought that's where they were heading with the street profits now i'm gonna confess i'm not that the Street Profits. Um, I didn't. I have really never followed them in NXT. The first time I actually watched them wrestle was the past Takeover, I believe, uh, a month or so ago, where they had the four-way ladder match for the NXT Tag Titles, and um, they they actually won me over because their gimmick, even though it's kind of borders on the crime old crime time gimmick of just like over the top hip hop. Which called bling bling, uh, which called the, the chains, the just the whole style style of them, and what stuck stuck out was the fact that they had plants in the audience, or should I say, they gave out, they gave the audience all red solo cups, and that's like their thing, and I'm like, wow, really? Uh, the black tag team, the black characters on the show have to walk around with big dookie chains. And a red solo cup, which is, I guess is supposed to be like their kind of subliminal message of, yeah, we're getting we we we're getting drunk, we got liquor in here, or we getting, or we got some lean in here. I'm I'm actually glad it's not a styrofoam cup, but you get the gist. Even this past this past week, the last, actually the past two weeks on Raw, they've had cameo appearances, and I'm nine. Which card? They're they're very entertaining. You know, and I like the slang that they use, the the terminology that they use. It's not dated. It's not trying too hard. It's not like you can tell there was a white person that was writing material for a late twenty, early thirty black male. Uh, so I think they really have potential. And being the fact that Paul Heyman is rumored, or should I say, confirmed to have a creative license over WWE Raw. And just coincidentally, that's when they started appearing on WWE Raw. Um, I'm willing to give it a chance. Then you have the other character that they will choose to portray black males as. And pretty much just white toast, um, very, very dry, and no character whatsoever. You have You have the commentator... Dude, uh, what the hell, Byron Saxon, you know, he, he looks, tell you the truth, he looks like a version of a black John Cena. Um, you have Apollo Crews, who I remember when he first came into the company, I was like, yo, Uha Nation? Yo, I was telling my son, I'm like, yo, Uha Nation, yo, he, he, he got some promise right there, and they never really did anything with him. They moved him up from NXT too quick. And they put him on the main roster, and he's pretty much floundered since. Um, he had a good, I believe the best thing he had was when he was with Titus O'Neil. Titus Worldwide! Um, <laughs> Titus O'Neil, he gets, he gets enough respect for me. Everything he does outside of the square circle. I mean, he's not the greatest wrestler, but I really, really respect that dude for everything he does in his community. Everything he does as a role model for aspiring um black dads black fathers and um yeah i just salute definitely salute to him um 
And my least favorite, and this is another this is another character that they have. Um, actually, I believe she's the only black female wrestler right now on the roster, and that's Ember Moon. Once again, her reputation preceded her when it came to me. As soon as I saw her, I'm like, yo, she's going to be a star. And uh, I really feel like they dropped the ball with her. Because, number one, they never really established a character. When she was in NXT, pretty much her character to me was uh, the fast-rising star that went against Asuka and lost every time. And the only time she was able to get the title was when Asuka actually gave up the title to move her to the main roster. She got the win and then quickly lost it not too, not too soon after to Shayna Baszler. They put her in the main roster. She comes up for the Royal Rumble. I'm like, yeah, they're going to do something with her. And about a year and a half later, I'm still waiting for them to do something with her. Right now, I believe she has a program going on with uh, Sonya Deville and uh, the other one. I, I don't even remember her name. Exactly. Uh, now she's the war goddess or the war princess or whatever. It's like, what does that mean? What does that even mean? It means nothing to me. It means nothing to the majority of the fans. Always going to have my support because I support my my brothers and sisters. I mean, it's almost like with all the examples I've just given, it's almost like Vince McMahon doesn't really know black people. Hmm, I wonder why. I mean, this is the same dude that walked around back in 2007 with ECW when he was going against Lashley. That's another one. Lashley, the only time Lashley had a little bit of personality is when he had Leo Rush with him. And I guess Leo Rush had some backstage heat and he's no longer with the company or they're just no longer using him until his contract expires because he had the audacity to ask for more money. Maybe the way he went about it was wrong. I don't know, but that's the only time Lashley had any type of personality. You take Leo Rush out of the equation, he's pretty much just... A big jacked up black guy that has an attitude. And that's it. But I say all that to say, back in ECW, WWECW, I should call it, um, Vince Man was walking around like he lost his mind because he had his hair cut against his best friend, the president who shall name, remain nameless. And uh, he actually started walking around thinking he was a black dude. He walked around with a do-rag. He looked at John Cena and looked at him like, What up, my nigga? Really? I mean, a lot of people forget about that. A lot of people forget about that. And then you, and then they span the view so you can see everything that was going on behind them. And you see Booker T with his wife, lovely wife, Charmel. And uh, Booker did the, tell me, I just did not just hear that. Really. But that's kind of the common denominator. Vince McMahon's narrow view of black culture. And when he has the opportunity, or should I say, when the talent have the opportunity to put their own spin on things, they're ultimately successful, such as the New Day. Such as, I want, I, it's too early to say, but I believe that the Street Profits might have the opportunity to actually spread their wings and put a little bit of this spin on their character. 
But ultimately, for me, if Kofi Kingston is going to be remembered as a strong WWE champion, there's certain aspects that I really believe he needs to tone down, and that's coming with the... I won't say the dancing, but definitely the pancakes. He has the pancakes in the, in the belt, and he's throwing them out the pancakes and everything. But there's a lot. Of, there's there's certain things in his character he has to tone down so he could be taken seriously by the masses. We're always gonna hold hold Kofi down, even from back when he was a fake Jamaican. Jamaican me crazy. Remember that? Boom drop. Remember that? Until his mom's told him, yo, you're not Jamaican, you're African. Uh, which go put your foot down and let them know, yo, if you're going to rep where you're from, rep from where you're from, not just a caricature of where they think you should be from. Now, I understand that if people are listening to this and listening to my take, they probably will think and feel that I only scraped the surface and I'm not gonna lie I have only scraped the surface um I really believe that this subject is something that needs to be more in uh talked about in depth uh talked about with other people so you can bounce your ideas off them uh so you can get alternative points of view on that topic so I just I just wanted to bring that up so it's fresh in the in the listeners' minds, hopefully you'll choose to listen to it again, and listen to me again, and uh, so we can actually use this time as a jumping board to get into a more in-depth uh, discussion. But uh, as for this week, this coming weekend at Extreme Rules, I do believe Kofi will retain the WWE Championship against Samoa Joe. Uh, hopefully they will give them enough time, hopefully... Um, Kofi's um, speculated injury is not that serious and we can actually get ready for a more violent uh, a more uh, drawn out feud with Kofi and Samoa Joe I believe last week was a perfect uh, start when uh, Kofi gave Joe the middle finger because Joe thought Kofi was going to be sleeping and shake his hand so he could put him in that clutch and rock his ass to sleep. Kofi showed that he wasn't gullible, even though he's happy-go-lucky. And I really believe that's at least a start in the right direction when it comes to Kofi Kingston. Well, people, we have reached the end of this week's episode of the Salty Thoughts with Donnie Hugh podcast. As usual, I'd like to give a big thanks for everyone that's given me this support. I truly appreciate it. I really, really do. Um, Here's an update to the breaking news that I had last week. I've recently found out that I am the number one rated podcast in my bedroom. (laughs) I better be. Because if I ain't, ain't no bills getting paid, ain't nobody getting laid. For real. Next week is probably going to be a whole potpourri of topics uh we'll have the fallout from the final free agent moves in the nba we'll have the fallout of the mets uh continuing to wallow in mediocrity um we'll hopefully have the beginning of training camp or training camp notes for my beloved new york jets 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 and this coming weekend 
we do have in wrestling the WWE Extreme Rules pay-per-view. We have the second show of New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax Tournament. We'll have AEW Fight... Oop, almost said Fighter Fest. No, I was mistaken. Fight for the Fallen. And due to technical difficulties with my other son trying to join my podcast, um, that's going to be delayed until next week um, to give him ample opportunity to spread his junior salty thoughts all over the fucking place. Ah, I did fool y'all at the beginning when I said parental discretion would be advised. I actually didn't curse as much as I thought I was. Should be an improvement. Maybe so, maybe not. Who the fuck knows? Have to throw that in. So until next week, peace. See you later. Goodbye.